Welcome to the Open Div Summit, a four-day pod conference around spirituality and meaning-making in the modern world. Each day, February 25th to 28th, we'll be releasing 10 to 20 pre-recorded conversations with top academics, theologians, clergy, and secular community leaders. In addition, each day we're hosting several live, interactive events on Zoom. We'd love to see you there. For more, check out summit.opendiv.org. Today's conversation is with Jillian Richardson. Jillian is a writer and connection coach. She wrote the book On Lonely Planet and teaches people how to connect more deeply with themselves and others. She's been sending out a weekly newsletter of virtual events called The Joy List since 2016. When she's not writing and teaching courses on connection skills, you can find Jillian singing Broadway songs to herself and talking to every dog she meets. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Jillian, super excited to be here with you today. Casey, thank you for having me. Um, so we've known each other for a while, and I remember us chatting with Joyless. I think it was only like a thousand people or a couple of thousand people. For folks who are maybe less familiar with your your work and your journey, maybe just to start, like I'd be curious to to hear about your work with the Joyless, how that kind of led to the book, and then how that led to some of the kind of courses and other kind of programs you're offering now, and uh, some of the I guess, training pathways you've also kind of experimented with the different modalities. Yeah. Like, I won't share all of it because we'll be here a long time. But to give kind of like a quick summary of who the heck I am as a human and what I do, the thing I'm the most known for is my newsletter. It's a weekly newsletter called The Joy List. And I started it in November 2016 after Donald Trump was elected. And the reason I did that at that time was because... I'd already lived in New York City for a year at that point, and I'd been on this journey of trying to find spaces where I felt like I belonged and where I felt inspired by the people around me. Like, it felt really important to me because I'd spent most of my life not feeling that way and not feeling a sense of belonging and connection. And I was like, I just graduated from college it's time for me to really find my people because this ache, like it hurts too much. And so by the time Donald Trump was elected, I had finally found communities and people that felt really loving and open to me and people that just gave me hope for just like humanity in general. And when Trump was elected in my social circle in New York City, I heard a lot of people saying things like, I feel like humanity is going down the drain. People are bad. I can't trust people anymore. All of that stuff. And I just wanted to let people know that any day of the week in New York City, there are places where you can go and be in community and be around people who are loving and care about others. And so that's why I started the newsletter. It was like, one of those moments where I just felt like I wanted to do something and politics and political movements was not my expertise. That's not where I felt like I could give my gifts. This newsletter felt like something where I could uniquely contribute to people. And I kept doing it because when I started the newsletter, it's like I became a joke that I became like a watered down priest. Like people <laughs> right. would start emailing me because the premise of the newsletter is loneliness. Like if you're feeling lonely, here are places to go. And I don't think I realized how radical openly talking about loneliness was at the time. Like it, to me, it didn't feel like that big of a deal. And all of these people were emailing me, like people who didn't even live in New York City, people who I'd never met before, just saying like, this is my experience. I feel really lonely. 
I feel shame about it. I feel like there's something wrong with me. And you talking about your own experience so openly really helps me feel less shame about this experience I'm having. And that's what kept me going. And like, it's still what keeps me going is just letting people know like loneliness is a very human experience, especially in a place like New York City. And there's nothing wrong with you if you feel that way. And there are places where you can go to not feel that way. (laughs) That's the whole point. Right, right. And uh, it's been super cool to see the community grow over time. And, uh, you know, pre-COVID, all, all these larger meetups and people come together and bringing in collaborators. Like I know Tasha Blank and other folks, movement arts and, and, uh, and other, other, other aspects. But I'd be curious, you know, I, I kind of look at you and I think we're both people who kind of were in this community world in New York doing ostensibly secular things and then have kind of taken this like left turn towards more kind of like spiritual community and also kind of exploring our own kind of spiritual formation to understand what does it really mean to be in this like quasi pastoral role, right? And so I'd be curious, how has that kind of journey kind of come forth? Yeah, around the work around the joy list. I know you're also doing some stuff at Judson Memorial Church. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this feels a little vulnerable to say, but I think I'm really interested in my own spiritual growth because even with being in all these incredible spaces and like authentic relating circles and sober dance parties and cuddle parties and all of these things that started to meet my needs in ways that my needs were not being met before, I still had this nagging feeling like I didn't belong or like my relationships weren't as deep as I wanted them to be. And I know that like kind of like the wisdom is, oh, if you feel like your relationships aren't as deep as you want them to be, like you're not as deep as you want to be. (laughs) So a teacher, John Wineland, who I follow says that, like if someone has a complaint about their partner, then it's like, well, what if you're the one who needs to show up more? And so for me, spirituality feels like that, like the, the kind of equivalent of being in a romantic relationship and feeling like you're not doing enough. It's like, well maybe I'm not doing enough to feel like I belong to myself. And how can I show up in that way? And if I work on my own sense of faith, will I feel like a stronger sense of belonging just in relationship with people? And so kind of like everything I do, it's coming from a sense of pain of like, I want to feel at home in my skin and at home in my community and just like a flow of love in my relationships. And that's what got me more interested in faith communities is like there's there's a different like flavor of connection here that I haven't played with so much and so that's why I'm fascinated by churches like I know we've both been to that um (laughs) the church building conference together which is still like one of my favorite experiences ever like the the story from that is like so incredible Yeah, yeah. And and I guess for folks listening, uh, Julian and I both attended Exponential, which is a uh, a conference for church planters that took place at the Salvation Army in New York City. Upon Julian's invite, I was I was lucky enough to attend. And you, you've done more work with them, right? You kind of became somewhat connected with the org, and right? I did. Uh, some of the people in it, yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> that organization, it feels really interesting to me because I really want to be connected to more conservative religious leaders because I think that I'm a really good bridge between kind of more non-traditional people in faith, like people like me who 
don't really ascribe to any religious tradition and yet find faith really interesting. And then these conservative faith traditions that I think unknowingly make themselves really unwelcome to people who don't just totally drink the Kool-Aid. And there's a lot of really beautiful stuff in those communities that I think people can benefit from. And so I just found it really interesting to talk to the leaders. And <laughs> how do I say this? To like talk to them and want to be in relationship with them. And at the same time, knowing that they're only talking to me because they want to convert me. Right. Like right. that's a weird oh, spot. A project in a, in a way. Totally. And I'm like, I know that they see me as a project. And at the same time, I see them as a project. Right. So it's, it's, it's like way. this strange manipulative relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's like, I know um, we've talked about this, like the purpose driven church and some of these other, like some of the material coming out of the church planting world is some of the most sophisticated thinking that I feel like I've read on uh, community building. And, um, you know, actually more recently, I'm looking into some of the stuff around kind of organizing movements like the sunrise movements like that and actually seeing in some ways some similar language like this idea that um, i think one of the founders of momentum which is an organization that like incubates social movements like sunrise and a couple others talks about like the need to multiply yourself because yeah. you're going up and you need people to come up behind you and like so you need to have create like a hundred versions of yourself to create leadership and to have them in reserves to fill the leadership leadership positions of the people when they kind of need to move on to other areas of their life. And like multiplication is literally the language that is being used in churches about how do you create leaders that create leaders? And Uh it's just so interesting that like, you know, yeah, they're, they're kind of both, you know, honing in on this idea of how do you of really like decentralized leadership in in a way, but, but I guess at least in the church case and many of the more conservative traditions, there is still this very, rigid like yeah we're decentralizing leadership you're the kind of you know we're creating a pastor you create your own community or congregation they can create new communities but also to be part of this group you have to accept like the literal understanding of the bible and like god is you know marriage is between man and woman and is the aspect and like all these other things which you know are 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 harder to swallow in you know main like uh, i guess liberal contemporary urban environments for sure yeah the the environments we we swim in (laughs) yeah our our little fish tank yeah, yeah. What, what do you really feel like you took away from swimming in those spaces? In wait, in the spaces that I usually like in reside church, in, or in the, the new spaces, the, the church, church planting world. I think first of all, it helped me see that my perspective is really valuable and unique to a certain group of people. I think it's so easy to get lost in like, oh, in my world, the way that I see things is very similar to a lot of people around me. And maybe there's not as many lessons for me to give or like light for me to shine on how people who are spiritual but not religious see the world because it's very obvious to the people around me. And yet to their community, I was like this fascinating new creature. They were like very excited to talk to me and meet like you and all the other community builders who joined because the way that we saw the world was very different. And so I think a a lesson I took away was to keep prioritizing being in spaces where I am the minority in one way or another, because there's just so much room for growth and for challenging the way I see the world and for challenging the way other people see the world. I I can be conflict averse sometimes. And so to actually be in a space where I'm like, oh, it's very obvious to me that I disagree 
very strongly <laughs> with the way that a lot of people here operate, it's giving me the chance to be in dialogue with people in a way that I wouldn't otherwise. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it is actually really interesting that, you know, these kind of conservative church planters were so opening, open to us and interested in, in yeah. chatting with us um, when that would have not been my my guess, right? Coming into it blind. Like they made a short film about me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. they let me, they was very interesting though, because they let me um, say like anything I wanted to. I was like, I'm not going to say the word Jesus. I'm not going to talk about God. I'm just going to talk about how ministers can make their spaces more welcome to people who aren't in the church. Like that's what I want to talk about. And they ended up not using it yet. So we'll see. Right. Okay. Have you seen the final cut or no? No, I don't know if they just don't want to use it or <laughs> they don't want to tell me. Um, right. But right. I keep following up with them being like, what's up? Do you want to, you want to use this? Right. Right. Well, because it was really interesting. I mean, at the, I don't know if the way they're using it is the way that we saw at this conference, but at this conference, kind of, there were all these, these interludes in between speakers that were these really emotional videos. And actually, I, I think one of them was of this church in Tampa, the Tampa Underground, that is this really interesting community that I think I discovered because of that conference and that I totally geeked out on afterwards and like read, you know, books, you know, read the book by the founder and then just like a really cool community. But, but it is a very specific perspective they put forward, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of the, the, just the traditional perspective. Well, I, and I think this ties into something that I wanted to chat about. And I think. We've talked a little bit about like our own kind of formation pathways, you know, outside of, outside of this, but I know you've done, uh, some like coaching and other facilitation trainings. And I know personally, I think there's this question, right? Of not identifying in any given tradition, there's not like the ordination pathway, right? Or like the, 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 the sense of like, oh, I need to learn these things and get like, you know, find authority in this community or this governing body so that then I can then lead or do these things. And I'm curious. What's been your relationship with that and kind of like trying to find your own kind of educational pathways and training? And uh, yeah, and, and how do you kind of sit with it now as I know you're beginning to kind of offer courses and things like that? It is so hard. It's so hard because I feel like there are so many modalities that I've kind of dipped my toe in or done like smaller trainings in. Um, so for example, like I'm in the organization called Woman Within, which is a women's group and they do trainings around like how to run a healthy women's circle, how to deal with your shadow as a facilitator. And they do a lot of really beautiful trainings on how to hold space for a woman who is processing something really emotional. Or like, I love that organization. And yet it's not like my life path will be being a facilitator for that organization because it's literally right. not an option. Or like the world of authentic relating. I've done a few authentic relating trainings, yet I don't feel called to only teach authentic relating. I just like those principles. And I think there's some things in that community that I don't like. And so there's just a lot of institutions that I really like some of the things that they teach. And yet I don't want it to be my identity. Not like, oh, I want to be like a Tantra teacher. And so I'm going to meet this person and study with them and do this like three-year training and do the whole thing. Like there's no one thing that I found. And so as I'm starting to make courses and figure out what I want to teach, I think I judge myself for not choosing one thing and sticking with it and just mm. going super deep 
Like, all right, like my thing is internal family systems and I'm going to learn everything about internal family systems and only teach that. And finding that as I build out these courses, like for example, I taught a course on confidence with my friend Sean Galanos. On my own, I taught a course on boundary setting and making friends and conflict resolution. And like all of those things require a lot of content and realizing all of these trainings and experiences that I've had provide really rich stories and just examples for these courses and that I don't need to be a super expert in something in order to like offer a rich example and then give people the opportunity to reflect. Like, I don't need that in this context. And so that really helps me. And I think a strength in my work that I've heard from people is that I feel really approachable and relatable. Like I'm not some like PhD expert in something. I'm just someone who geeks out about connection. And like, I do it way, way, way more than the average person. So I've got a lot to talk about. Right. That makes, yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense, right? Especially, um, you know, it's so interesting to see like this space of like courses or coaching that kind of fills the gap in between maybe like therapy and maybe like a spiritual group or like a self-help group, but it's kind of like, in between, right? And, and I think what's cool about like joyless and all that stuff is like, you know, loneliness might be something that someone goes to see the therapy for, right? They're like, I'm feeling lonely and my life feels like empty, like all this stuff, but there's only so much like a therapist can do, right? And like joining a really kind of welcoming, accepted community where there's actually deep like sharing all this stuff and maybe some like ritual as well to create containers can also be super helpful, right? Or like even better, like, you know, becoming a volunteer, right? I know we've talked in the past about yeah. like with some of these communities in New York. You, you can, sometimes you really, really only feel a part of, um, when you get to like the volunteer level and you're part of like that inner core, cause there's just so much transience mm-hmm. and kind of like one off ad hoc events in, in New York. At least there wasn't pre COVID, pre COVID. But you know, I'm curious. You know, I'm finding, cause I think I'm sitting with a lot of these questions myself as well, where like I've done a little bit of training here and there and like mindfulness approaches and, you know, read a lot about like psychology and other things. I'm finding that like more and more. Mm-hmm the stuff that I'm the way I'm thinking about facilitation or things that I'm offering is like pulling from like a couple different sources. And it's interesting to like try and understand the limitations of each, I guess, by mm-hmm. looking at them in comparison to others, but also to try and find the ways to like integrate them. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious, you know, if that is also coming up for you, like if there's a couple notes that you're really feeling like you're hitting with a lot of these different trainings and like, if there's kind of big questions you're sitting with around, like how does you know, kind of authentic relating relate to the like women's circle process or to coaching or these other things that I know you've, you've explored mm-hmm. or like the work you're doing at Judson, right? So totally, I'm like so many things. <laughs> well, and so one thing I'll say, cause I know I mentioned that I did like a lot of trainings that were shorter. One thing I will say is I just finished a six month coaching certification program that was every week. And that felt so nourishing to me to mm be training in a modality for that long and like do it in a group of like eight people and working with each other every week and like having homework every week and all that stuff and having to like meet certain requirements in order to get a certification. I mean, at first I wasn't sure if I wanted my certification to be in coaching. I was like, what does coaching even mean? Like, like what is, so I, I literally started the program being like, coaching is just worse therapy. Like that's what coaching is. <laughs> And like, after having done this course, like having been coached myself so many times and coaching like 50 people as part of this program, 
realizing like, I think it's very similar to the things that I appreciate about a lot of other modalities, which is like presence and quality questions and curiosity. And like, that's the reason why a lot of people go to therapy as well, is just to have someone be a loving presence for them and not judge them. Yeah. Like that's why a lot of people just go to therapy in the first place. Um, I think that's, that's also like a lot of, you know, what people get out of therapy. It's yeah. Just that, right? yeah. It's like re- a reparenting process. Um, so I think for me, it felt really good to have just like this foundation of a training of like coaching and saying like, okay, I can take someone, they have a problem. I'm not telling them how to fix it and like guiding them through their own mind to figure out what would be the best for them. Cause I can't tell them what would be best for them. They can. And then also learning how to mix in like my own expertise of like, sometimes people genuinely don't know what to do. And that's when it is helpful to say, okay, like how does it feel to go to this event or to say this thing to your friend or like, let's spend a session practicing, like circling each other or like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, you want to resolve a conflict with a friend. Let's spend a session practicing nonviolent communication. So I think at least for me, I ethically feel way better about taking this training that I got and then being able to play with it a little bit and say like, I've got this foundation of what a traditional coaching session is. And now I could maybe make a package that's like, okay, it's a traditional coaching session, like where we help the person understand why they're afraid of deeper connection. And then it's a session where we practice a skill. And then it's a session where we go over how them using the skill went. Like it's a mix. I think folks can, at least I felt scared to do that otherwise, because it was Mm. just like, it felt hard for me to determine the line between what is appropriate to talk to someone about and then where am I getting into the territory of a therapist? And like, I respect therapy so deeply. Like my therapist is my favorite person in the whole world. I love her. (laughs) And so I'm like, I do not want to pretend to be a therapist. Like that is so beyond my pay grade. Uh, And at least right now I feel comfortable like discerning those spaces. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting, right? Because like we, you know, I think I I can relate to a lot of what you just shared in Uh terms of like, I know a lot of my stuff that I feel much more comfortable doing is like holding space for people in groups, right? Like I feel pretty comfortable with like doing that and ways of doing that. And there have been a couple of times when people have asked me to work like one-on-one and it's been interesting where I'm like, I really don't have a framework mm-hmm. you know, as of yet for, for, for sitting with that. And I've like looked into coaching, I've looked into like spiritual direction, but it, it seems like, yeah, like there is real value in, I guess, having like frameworks and like almost like gutters, right? To mm-hmm. make sure you're not gonna, going off the rails. Um, yeah. And being able to hear, at least with my program, one of the super valuable things for me was being able to hear other people go through the framework and to see mm-hmm. like, okay, week after week, I can see that this works. Like it's worked on me. I've used it on other people. I've heard other people have it be used on them. And I think it just creates a lot of confidence. And like, I I notice when people have imposter syndrome, I know there's all this stuff of like, oh, you just have to get over imposter syndrome and just do it. Like maybe it's there for a reason because like you just haven't had enough practice yet. Like maybe right, just get more right. practice. Right, right. Well, you know, and I'd be curious because I know we've we've also been in this group for the last year, uh, small yeah. group of weekly, which has been super fun, which is, you know, very much 
like it's not a pure coaching group, but it, it's kind of like this space where I think it's it's more group spiritual direction. Maybe, yeah. I I don't even think that like necessarily everyone in the group would agree with that uh, <laughs> characterization. We'll never it. get everyone to agree. Yeah, yeah, but but it, it is a space where we kind of pull in. We've been based it on like you know circles of trust stuff by Parker Palmer, which kind of comes out of the Quaker tradition, and it's a lot about listening and holding space for people. And you know, I'd be curious now. You haven't been in that space, and you've you've also spent time in different faith spaces in New York, different kind of facilitation, different types of facilitation, as well as now going through the coaching pathway. How do you think about? what the value of like these different types of spaces, like these spaces that are much more just kind of like listening oriented versus like therapy, which maybe is more active in, in specific ways. And then coaching, which also is active in ways that maybe therapy can't be, but also doesn't cover some of the same breath. Like, how do you think about where all these things are situated in, you know, and I guess in, in helping people thrive and maybe even personally as well? Yeah. Yeah. I love this question. Um, <laughs> Well, so just to give some context, I'm I'm part of this program called the Community Ministry Program at Judson Memorial Church. Uh, Judson Memorial Church is the most progressive church you will ever find. <laughs> like the minister, Micah, is like a gay man who wears nail polish. And if you enter the church when actual in-person church happened, there's like leaflets about trans rights and immigrant rights and like sex worker rights, like everything that I believe Jesus would actually care about, like all the people who are underserved. It's like, we're caring about all of these people. So we gather every week and we talk about like what can create an experience where people feel connected to spirit. And it's interesting to me that a lot of church services that are virtual don't personally help me feel connected to spirit. Like I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily feel more, um, like open and inspired and like there's some new source of energy in me when I'm just kind of like sitting and receiving something because I'm not in the physical space. Like I'm not participating in the same way. And then with formation group, which is the thing we've been doing together every week for a year that you started because you're incredible, is it's just like the most reliable way to get me to Mm. a state that feels open and connected to spirit. Like I have never had a time in formation group where I didn't feel more inspired afterwards. And to me, like inspiration and connected to spirit are like the same. So like, first of all, you did an incredible job designing an experience that is so, I'm like, I just want to talk about formation group forever. I love (laughs) it. And it's like, I think it's a real testament to how formation group is designed that I feel creatively inspired. Because for me, creative inspiration and connection to God or spirit are the same. And for folks who don't have the privilege and the gift of being in a formation group, how we run it is there's like an opening portion where we share what's going on in our lives. We meditate usually in silence for 10 minutes. We listen to a beautiful song. We read a beautiful poem. We have some journaling prompts. And for me, by the time we get to the journaling section, I feel like something else is coming through me. Like that's always when I write poems and it never feels like I'm consciously doing it. It's just like somebody else is writing this poem because I've spent like 40 minutes maybe at that point just kind of like clearing away my brain clutter to get space. And that feels super sacred to me. And I feel like that should be the goal 
of a religious service is to, I'm just like trying this out out loud. So I don't know if this makes sense, but like trying to help clear the clutter and the junk in people's minds so that spirit can float through them. I love that. I love that metaphor. Mm-hmm. Allowing it to, to to settle at the bottom so, so the important stuff can kind of float at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I, I love, first of all, thank you so much for, for the kind words. Of and course. I, I also feel similarly about the group. I think it's been a really cool experience. But I'm curious, in your own journey, I mean, I've been reflecting on this myself, is like where the group fits and what it does in my life versus like other areas and you know what is the realm of the group versus not the group like i don't think if we came in and we're like today we're doing pure coaching i mean people would be down for that once they'd be down for that every week i don't know maybe maybe so maybe it's like kind of a different type of beast um i once had someone say to me this really interesting metaphor for community which is that it's like if you take if you believe that like when we come together, we create a thing that's like an actual animal. And so we're really creating like this, like husbandry when we come together in community, it's like husbandry of a thing. What kind of animal do you want to create? <laughs> right? Like what kind of group? Uh-huh. And you know, I think we've created a specific kind of, you know, mutt, if you will, emo. with our a spiritual mutt, an emo. I love it. <laughs> but yeah. How, how do you think about that? How that fits in your life with regards to like coaching and therapy? And like, I think for me, partially, I, you know, this is like a personal question that I'm bringing, you know, that, that has some resonance of like, you know, where does just that kind of connection to spirit sit with regards to things that maybe are more practical, right? Like nonviolent communication or, you know, a more active way of working with someone versus just like the spirit's going to do the job, right? We're just going to make room, right? Yeah. Well, so the person who inspires the way that I'm currently running my courses is a man named George Cow. His last name is K-A-O. And on the surface, he's a marketing teacher. Like he teaches entrepreneurs how to market themselves. And yet all of his courses incorporate his values. Like they incorporate authenticity and love. Like he's mentioning like Tai Chi principles and mindfulness and is connecting with the group. And it's just like the energy that he brings, like, first of all, influences who is attracted to his courses and also just like the energy in the space. Like they feel, to me, they feel like a mindfulness workshop and we're talking about like our Instagram presence. <laughs> like it's, you wouldn't yeah, think those yeah. two things would be connected. And so I'm trying to take the pressure off of myself when it comes to the content that I'm teaching. Like I'm still in the phase of experimenting and seeing what it is that the people in my audience want. Like how can I be of service to them? And so I'm kind of trying to flip the script by George's advice and stop thinking like, what do I want to teach? What do I think the world needs? And just literally interview my audience a bunch and just have phone calls with people who follow me. Be like, what are you struggling with? What do you want? And to me, that feels spiritual. Like it feels like ministry. Mm. Like, okay, how can I be of service to the people who are drawn to me for whatever reason? Like, what do they see in me that they think they can benefit from? And so that feels like a nice way to kind of take the ego out of the work and just be like, not like, why am I special? But like, what do people want from me? What do they need? And then when I'm teaching these courses to realize like, each week, people are going to take just like one or two big things away. Like to not put so much pressure on myself to create the best thing ever. Just to be like, we're going to be in a space and people are going to reflect. They're going to journal. They're going to share. I'm going to share some stuff. And it doesn't have to be the best thing in the universe. That feels just like really like a profound shift to me. And that's allowed me to create 
a course like every month since quarantine started. Like I've made like eight or nine courses since we've been locked in our houses. That's super cool. I mean, it seems like it's really given kind of a creative license to explore, experiment. Yeah. Like it's not even about me anyways. It's about what people want. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. I know we're kind of coming towards the last maybe five, 10 minutes. And I wanted to also make room for, I knew you wrote a book uh, a, a <laughs> year or two ago at this point. And yeah. It's been over far. a year, July, 2019. Yeah. yeah. So cool. I uh, highly recommend Unlonely Planet for folks who aren't familiar. I know in some of our conversations, you've bounced around ideas for maybe another book. You've bounced around ideas for, 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 for other projects. I'm curious, what feels like it's calling you next? And where do you feel like it's kind of, uh, yeah, where you're going? I mean, I personally feel the most energized by conversations about spirit and spirituality outside of organized religion. Like that feels really interesting to me. I am not sure if that's what my audience wants the most though. And so I think as I'm seeing like what resonates with people the most, that will inform what I want to write a book on next. Because I think this shift has felt really helpful for me that like no matter what it is that I am teaching on, I still get to incorporate my values and the things that I think are important. So like, like right now I'm teaching a course on conflict resolution And this week we started with like a meditation to connect to our hearts and like envision a flow of love in a moment of conflict. Like, right. I can do that no matter what I'm sharing. So it feels like I'm just in this inquiry process of like, what do people really want the most? And part of me is afraid it's going to end up being dating. (laughs) I mean, that's a a very alive topic. Always so popular. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, damn it. I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to do, I think, as well, from a place of like, it can, it can be hard to do from a place of open heartedness. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just so much. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a sticky, sticky area. Totally. Yeah. I've got lots of requests for courses on dating, for sure. I have some resistance still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. Well, what else is alive for you that we haven't talked about today? Good question. Um, can I shout out people who are doing a good job creating connection during COVID yeah. online? Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned like how hard it can be to date in a way that feels connected. Uh, I want to shout out this newer organization called Hum Hum. Hmm. They've been doing facilitated online dating experiences and they also do facilitated blind dates. Uh, which I've actually, I've done two of them at this point with them. And I was like, I'm a raving fan of you now. Like I will do a video testimonial for you. Put my testimonial on your website. Like the, the founder, Alexandra, she frames dating as just like a practice for any skill in life. Like, can you come into this with no expectations? Can you be non-judgmental? Can you be present? Like, can you discern if you want to see this person again and know that it's completely okay if you don't, or if you don't align. And to me, that feels like an incredible example of taking whatever your values already are and putting that into like a certain context. It just feels like a really beautiful kind of reframe of what dating is. So I want to shout out them. I also want to shout out Kat Velos and her organization or her event called Connection Club. 
Uh, she's doing it a few times a week and it's a virtual event where there is introvert time where you can like write letters to your friends, you can journal, and then there's extrovert time where you connect with people in a small group over a certain prompt and it's different every time. And I just love seeing people who are in like the friendship space thrive and have people find them. And so I just really want people to find her work and her because I think she's doing such a beautiful job. Cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think we're kind of close to that time, but before we jump, what about plugging some of your own stuff where if people want to find out more about you, Joylist, some of the work you're doing, where should they look online? Well, on social media, I'm the most active on Instagram. My Instagram handle that I'm still embarrassed about that this is my social media handle for everything, uh, is that Jillian, T-H-A-T-J-I-L-L-I-A-N. I'm that Jillian literally everywhere, including my website. I can't get out of it now. Um, Which Jillian? That, that, Jillian. that, that Jillian. I love it. Oh, it's, it's horrifying. Um, <laughs> no, I wish, it's great. I wish I, I could go back to 2016 and be like, don't do it. Um, it's so good. I, it's so good. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm like, it feels like a little pompous to me. Um, so I'm that Jillian on Instagram. I'm posting there like every day. And then my newsletter you can go to joylist.nyc to subscribe. And it doesn't matter if you live in New York City or not at this point, because pretty much everything I'm featuring is virtual, with the exception of like occasionally some sort of distanced outdoor New York City thing. And that way you can find out about my courses and coaching and all that good stuff. Cool. Awesome. Well, Jillian, thanks so much for taking the time. I know there's lots of demands on your time, lots of communities and other other people who want to hang. So I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, yeah, I'd love to have another conversation maybe down the line as some of yeah. these projects come, come to fruition. I would love that. Thanks for listening to this conversation from the Open Div Summit. For more, check us out at summit.opendiv.org.